Welcome to the Soul Hubbers podcast with myself, Carrie Davis Monroe. And today I'm interviewing, I'm delighted to be interviewing this person because he's um, he's one of my closest friends. It's not often you get to interview one of your very closest friends. Dr. Robert Owen. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> so I have interviewed you before. And the funny thing is that we've just had a conversation to to prep the podcast and while I said, you know, we are we are very close friends, Robert, aren't we, really? And there's a number yeah. of things that we've just um, we've just talked about and discussed that I have been super surprised about. So I'm hoping to delve into that a little bit more deeply um, oh, so yeah. that I, I get nosy. Um, you know, I am a coach. <laughs> that's my whole uh, my whole um, oh, raison d'etre to really get <laughs> curious about you today. Right. <clears throat> so. What I want to know about you and what we want to get out of today is the essence of you, the DNA of you. And and I have to put aside all of my preconceived ideas because I do know you quite well. So you wear many, many hats, Robert, don't you? So do you want to tell us a a little bit about what they are and what that Mm -hmm. involves, first of all? Right. One thing I'm particularly proud of is that I recently became a trustee of a local charity called Space to Grieve, um, which is um, an organization uh, where volunteers support people who have lost loved ones recently. So um, the grief process is very close to my heart because uh, uh, I've had a few instances in my childhood where I lost loved ones and that's had a long long-term effect on me. Um, so I'm particularly proud of that. And my role there is, apart from contributing to general um, matters, is to be, um, is pastoral care. So those supporters of people who are, are grieving, um, if they need uh, support from me, um, then I'm available for that. Mm. So that's uh, that's important. Um the other thing I really love, um, I am a psychotherapist and I love to counsel couples. I love to support people in improving their relationships. Um, so I'm particularly proud of that. Uh, can I can support- I just ask you, um, Rob, obviously, you know, lots of therapists will do all sorts and they'll make couples counselling part of what they do. Yeah. Why do you particularly love that and why did you make that your niche? Um it's a good question. Uh, well, as I say, I, I, it's a particular pleasure to to, to see uh, in the room a relationship improving. It's something you don't see mm-hmm. with seeing mm-hmm. people individually. So um, I guess that's that's the the biggest satisfaction. Mm. Um, so I'm that you can see that change in front of Absolutely. you as as you're doing the work. Absolutely. Mm. And it's not easy, and it's not always successful, but um, at least people go away learning what the fundamental problem is with the relationship. Um, yeah. yeah. And most people come and simply ask them why they're there, and they say, we, we have problems communicating. Mm. So, um, And yeah. mostly that's probably, you know, the communication is the issue, whether we're talking about businesses, corporates, one-to-one, you know, siblings, communication is mm. huge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the secret really is to, to get people aware of uh, the other's emotional state and, you know, vice versa, that mm. 
Um, it's not the words, but what are they really trying to communicate in their pain? Mm. I guess that can be a bit like diffusing, you know, diffusing a bomb at some point, can't it? Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, people well, come well, it to you. It has blown up in my face yes, probably yeah. one occasion over 30 years. <laughs> oh, only one occasion. Gosh. I so. But, I mean, people come and they come at that point, don't they, that, you know, you can be quite desperate and it can be yeah. a last resort. And oh, definitely. you've got lots to unpick, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, not always the last resort, but sometimes, yes. And interestingly, sometimes before people commit to uh, getting married or, or mm. buying a house together and that sort of thing. So uh, I ask those people, what do they really need from relationship? Not, you know, tall, dark, handsome or dazzling blonde, but, you know, what do they need from a, a relationship? You know, mm. It's about security, uh, trust, um, companionship, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's about really understanding your needs, isn't it? And then being able to yeah. communicate those needs. That's really interesting. I hadn't necessarily thought that you dealt with, you know, couples in that way. And I guess that, you know, it intersects at lots of points, doesn't it? So it probably splits, therefore, into mm -hmm. proactive in terms of, right, well, we're going to really think about this. The couples who are buying a house or mm -hmm. just about to get married or just about to enter into any sort of contract, that's the proactive. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the things haven't <laughs> gone well, then you've got the reactive, haven't you? The repair job. <laughs> yeah, then you've got then you've got the repair job. You just made me think of the repair shop, one of my favourite <laughs> favorite like programmes. Yeah, yeah. so, okay, so that's a couple of hats. What else do you do? Because um, I know that there's another couple of things. Right. Well, I mean, a passion of mine over the years has been intelligent ageing, which is looking at the latest evidence on how to maintain health throughout life um and this isn't about longevity this is about finding ways to live for 100 years but um but to avoid the normal or often frequent uh, disability in later life uh, mm. to avoid the uh, not only physical but mental now mm. um there is a genetic element in all this but as far as i can see that in terms of chronic illness, um, normally uh, it's there's only a twenty percent genetic content in that. So um, we can do a lot to minimise the risk. We can't avoid um, things going wrong, but to minimise the risk. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know that we you know well, that's something we're both positive about. And you know, yeah. I would in my research. We always have this conversation. I, I think it's even less than 5% genetic. There's, you know, if we if we look at people who are, again, like you, pioneering in this area, then the message is really that we have more control than we think, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. And as you and I know, uh, the evidence is coming out um, very frequently. We did talk about a, a book published only a week or two ago. Yes, yeah. Um, showing that um, uh, highly processed foods can actually cause brain damage. Mm, yeah. Which yeah. is quite shocking. We've known about obesity and highly processed foods, but this is quite new, this science. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think what's fantastic is that in the time that you and I have spoken about this, which is over 10 years now, 
this is this evidence is everywhere and i guess we could get into a whole other other question here is you know the evidence is everywhere now it is quite clear we've got people yeah. like dr mark hyman writing books mm. about you know how to live mm. longer how to live healthier we've got podcast after podcast on this topic and the question yeah. that you and i always debate is why aren't people then taking action? So, so maybe, maybe we'll come back to that. But can I just, can we we'll just come, come back, back to a couple of your other hats? Because I, you know, we could talk forever on intelligent aging. You are also a moderator, aren't you? Oh yes, yeah, yeah that's right. For um, actually, the largest counselling or psychotherapy training company in the country. So yeah, I'm an internal moderator. So I look at the standard of. Um, the tutor or the teacher's um, assessment of work. So, mm. yeah. Um, and you're also a, you're also a supervisor, aren't you? Occasionally, yes. It's not not a particularly uh, frequent thing. Right. Okay. And I should mention here that Robert is our is our supervisor for um, our Soul Hub group called Lateral um, Lateral Vision, so that we can share what we do, ensure that um, uh, that we we are giving and adhering to best practice, and that we have a sounding board. Um, and then just tell me, you're also involved. I mean, goodness me, there's so much going on with you, Robert. Always, um, you're also currently creating some couples workshops, aren't you? Which I think are endorsed or going to be endorsed by the Prince's Trust. How did that come about? Well, um, through the uh, training company I, I work for, um, they asked me um, to write a, a first of all one day workshop. Um, a, a CPD, Continual Professional mm-hmm. Development, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one day workshop on couples counselling. So it's an introduction to couples counselling, but half of it will be experiential, looking at people's prejudices and views about relationship, marriage, so on and so forth. So the participants will be looking at their own views and prejudices. And then in the, the second part, we'll be looking at one major communication theory, which is... Um, um, very much influenced by um, what's no, known as nonviolent communication. Mm. We don't call it that, and we have modified it considerably. And then after that, we're looking um, to have a three-day certificate training, again, uh, from the Prince's Trust um, of Couples Counseling. We'll look at many theories of, of communication mm. uh, and things like... Um, attachment theory which obviously Mm. is critical to when you're looking at couples counseling yeah so that sounds as if it's going to be extremely comprehensive and i'm sure that people can access that well we'll come at the end to where people can access that but um that may be of interest one of the questions that i've i've got to ask you which is i guess very much linked to the whole passion for intelligent aging but what's the drive for you to keep working, keep adding to your portfolio um, and keep diversifying as you do? Because you are, you know, in terms of um, what you take on, what you commit to, you know, your work schedule. You know, I I was so surprised to to understand how many, you know, sessions you fit into your day. You're a beast when it comes to work, aren't you, Robert? (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe. um, I don't know what my wife would say about it. yeah, I, I just it's, it's it's a habit really working. I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of it, and the income's quite nice as as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I do have some expensive 
hobbies like learning French. Uh, I have two lessons a week in French, uh, which, by the way, is it's all about um, really uh, safeguarding the, the the mind, the, the brain. brain, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they say forget about crossword puzzles and Sudoku, but you need to learn. Uh, a musical instrument mm. or learn a language to really mm. keep the brain or uh, dance i think uh, is up there with oh, dance yeah, well. yeah 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 oh yeah, yeah. dance yeah, yeah you're right yeah so when if i was to say to you you know when you coined the term which is many years ago what's the definition of intelligent aging what would you say it's a good question it, it went through many uh iterations um and we ended up with intelligent aging has been most satisfactory. But um, it's an intelligent thing to look at your health, uh, both physical and mental. Um, there is intelligence out there. In other words, research mm-hmm. on what works and what doesn't work. Um, so we, we thought it was a fair title. But not everyone likes it. Uh, someone once came up to me and said, Sir, if I don't follow what you say... Am I not intelligent? And I had to say, mm. <laughs> I guess it's it's your definition, isn't it? It's you know what what's yeah. what's one person's definition isn't necessarily another's. It's how you interpret things, isn't yeah. it? But it seems a pretty smart thing um, to do what you can to reduce the risk of disability or chronic ill health. In fact, it's interesting. I think it was Carl Jung who gave a definition of intelligence. He said, it's simply the ability to prosper in a particular environment. Mm. So um, a town dweller being dropped into the middle of the jungle won't survive very well. But the indigenous people do perfectly well. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that against a backdrop of, you know, the figures are that 78% of us will die of a non-communicable disease. Um, And we do know that the large proportion of that is preventable. So I guess that's what you're trying to get to. And I love your answer when I always ask you this. What's your particular reason for intelligent aging? Well, I'm not sure whether I'm (laughs) totally serious, but I I say vanity in a way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love that you always say that. I want my body to look like the temple of my soul, you know. (laughs) Not as if I was pregnant. <laughs> well, you definitely don't. People can't see you, but they can certainly find pictures of you online. Um, and, uh, you know, I met you, obviously, at, at yoga, Robert. And I want to ask you, in terms of your scaffolding, I always work with people um, physically, mentally, spiritually. And I talk about this thing which I call a scaffolding, that bit that are your set of habits and in your ter- in your respect, your very, very healthy habits that hold you together. Yeah? Well, what would you that, say? Yeah, yoga is uh, a major part of the scaffolding. Uh, it's an ingrained habit now. I, I feel very uncomfortable if I don't go to three or four Yoga what does quality. yoga give you? Um, well, flexibility, obviously. Um, and, yeah, it is meditative, too. Uh, uh, you have the opportunity, really, to switch off uh, and be mindful, whatever you choose to, to call the state. So, yeah, flexibility. Um, uh, yeah, I think 
Okay. So we've got, and and I know that in terms of your language, you have stepped that up, haven't you? Um, over the last year, your French. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, you know, we we all know. And again, it's this is this is evidence based. I should say that everything that you talk about in terms of intelligent aging is evidence based. We do know that languages are one of the things that protect the brain, the integrity of the brain as we get older. So tell us what you're doing in terms of languages again. Well, I have uh, once a week. I have a. Uh, a one-to-one session with a, a native French speaker. And then once a week, uh, I'm in an hour and a half class, with, uh, a small class with a native French speaker. So mm-hmm. um, I try not to be influenced by the accents of the fellow participants in the group. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you mean not not so good or, or, or well, you know, they haven't quite refined it well enough? My fingers in my ears when they're too speaking. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment here, though. No judgment. And you've also been on a couple of holidays, haven't you, to really, you know, ingrain yeah, yeah. the learning. Yeah, in France. Yeah, down down uh, a terrible place called um, Antibes in France. <laughs> Gorgeous Antibes. Oh, Vieille Antibes is one of my favourite places. So yeah. apart from the languages, apart from the yoga. What else would you say, yep, that's part of my scaffolding? What are the real cornerstones? What are the anchors? Well, again, physical, I have to do at least one uh, um, strength training a week, working in the gym. Mm. Is that weights? Weights training? Weights training, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And also uh, cycling once a week with a friend. I've been doing things with the same friend now for 35 years, Every Sunday, more or less every Sunday morning. <laughs> well, l- lucky him and lucky you, I guess. You're pulling each other along. We do. <laughs> yeah, li- literally <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> it might get to that one day. <laughs> <laughs> or electric bikes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, don't go there. You won't be. You won't be doing the work. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I know nutrition is a big thing for you. Let me let's let's talk about this for a little bit. So. You became with, um, you know, your wife, Dinny, years before anybody was really talking about organic and organic mm. food and healthy food. You you were visionaries, really, Rob, weren't you? Will you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, nearly 30 years ago, we um, started uh, an organic food club, which we ran from our garage. And um, it's quite successful. We had to go up to Covent Garden once a week to get the organic food there's a pretty limited range of uh, at that time um but one of the members of the uh, club persuaded us to open a shop in Twickenham which as it happened a grocery shop had just gone just closed down in Twickenham so we took that over uh and how many members did you have at that time I really don't remember but probably around 20 I guess mm. and you um, said you were making significant money really oh, no no one we weren't making money really from the club. It was a non-profit. But um, when we opened the shop, we, uh, yeah, in the first year, it was remarkably successful. We turned over something like a quarter of a million pounds. Wow. At that time. Um, wow. But quite a small shop too. But one of the problems was we had to employ staff because I was working uh, in further education at the time. Uh, but, yeah, it was successful. And then 
some smart aleck came along and said, why don't you open another shop in Kingston? <laughs> so uh, they had a premises as, as an environmental centre in, 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 King, in Richmond Road, Kingston. So we did that. Unfortunately, uh, it cost us, uh, uh, the, the overheads were twice as much as Twickenham and the traffic of the, the customer in the end was about half that of Twickenham. So uh, the other factor at work was Waitrose was slowly getting into organics at that time. Mm. Uh, and um, we could buy dry goods from Waitrose at a lower price than we could buy from our wholesalers. So um, in the end, it didn't work out financially. But yeah, mm. and now... Teddington has Planet Organic. Which yeah, I know. Great. My goodness me, I was surprised. Well, I'm not. Has it actually opened? I did walk yeah, past yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I mean, it's. Um, I guess it's fair to say, Rob, that you are really, in many ways, a pioneer of of well being. Um, because you live the values, don't you? You you know they oh, are embedded in your everyday life. Certainly, the diet and exercise. Yeah. 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 And. and and friendship to uh, community and family very 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 important for well-being yeah and I, and and i guess you know you are more aware than most would be in terms of your needs and you know i did ask you your values before we came on i said if you you know you had to give me three values by which your life you know live life what would they be and you know what you said to me do i <laughs> so do you I said mean? love first of all uh, yeah, yeah. Um, friendship. Yeah. Um, and empathy. Yeah. yeah. But but alongside having that sort of outlet of continually seeking new experiences to to upgrade, I guess you're looking to upgrade your well being and health all the time, aren't you? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Certain experiences are important. That's, that's where I, I spend a lot of time, money, and time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to mention the money bit. So I want to ask you, Rob, obviously, you know, we know you and, and you are well known for being a psychotherapist, but you didn't do that till sort of later in your life, did you? Yeah. How did uh, you, what were the turning points in your life that led to oh, that? Well, I was married for about, I got married quite young, about 22, and um, I was divorced um just before the age of 30. And uh, so I thought I, I had little understanding of what went wrong with the relationship. So I, I did um, consult uh, a Jungian um, psychologist, um, someone who trained at the Jung Institute in Zurich um, and started to learn about myself. Uh, and he said something to me, which could be misinterpreted that, uh, you, you're the most conscious person I uh, ever met. At first, I took that that as a compliment, but then working with him, it gra- I gradually realised what he meant was I wasn't in touch with my emotions, particularly apart from perhaps anger, but otherwise my mm. my emotions are quite dull uh, mm. on the surface. Um, so that was the start of it, and after that, I took a lot of interest in personal development. If I was driving around, I was listening to personal development tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started to get interested in doing bits of training. I did hypnotherapy and then got into um, psychotherapy after that. So it was training after a long time. 
Mm. And and I said to you, um, again, we were having a chat and I said, why do you think you were drawn to this? And you said to me, you have an instinctive need to be supportive of others. And obviously, I then asked you why. So, you know, you then were explaining that your childhood was was far from you know, well, certainly, is there any of a perfect childhood, but but far from perfect. And there were certain things that you really had to deal with that probably left some scarring, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, my father was pretty violent, particularly when I was very small. Um, his memories still stay with me. Uh, my mother was... Uh... And violent to you, Rob, you were saying. I mean, you were oh, yes. joking, but you did oh, no. talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you did talk about brain damage, didn't you? Well, it could have it could have resulted in that. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, mm. being hit around the head a lot um, by a very big man. He was much bigger than I am. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was tough, and and, uh, and some abandonment issues because my mother was depressed. So I was sent to live with relatives. So all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and and some limiting beliefs around, you know, you said, you know, we we often as I'm a mum of three, as you know, and you, I often say something and then think, gosh, should I should I have said that? But you know, your mum's, you said your mum said that you were rotten to the core, and I guess because you've told me that, that's stuck with you, hasn't it? What what oh, did yeah. that mean for you? What how I'm, do you well, think that's sure. when 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 you're told something like that as a child, you you know, obviously you don't know enough about the world or people's behaviours and you interpret it, come on, may I? Um, but what I, I guess as a counter to that, I, I wanted to yeah, be altruistic in some way. I even thought about the priesthood and certainly I got into Christianity and uh, was very much involved in early teenage with, with something called Christian Crusaders, which would not be, that title would not be used nowadays. It has changed its title. What well, has it changed the, to, just out of interest? I can't remember. I was tall, but I can't remember. But we used to wear a little white shield with a red cross on it. Gosh. <laughs> are, you, yeah. are you still religious now? Is that still part no, of your philosophy? I'm, I'm, I'm a humanist. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So what that what was that giving you? Do you think at the time? Uh, well, I thought it would uh, help me not be rotten to the core. <laughs> right. Gosh. So it really did embed some limiting beliefs, didn't it? The fact that the fact that yeah. she'd said that, and you also said, you know, quite the opposite. I guess you've got one parent telling you one thing and one the you know one the other, and your father told you that you were the other extreme and that you were too too altruistic. That's yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, he said that rather later. Yeah, that was that was in uh, adulthood. Yeah, he was what, quite right wing. Yeah. And you said to me that you you know you probably do love doing things for others and supporting people, partly because you know you you instinctively need that, and that probably comes from having some of those needs not met earlier on. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, the instinctive need is there. I do agree. Okay. So in terms of what's next for you, Robert, because, you know, you've led an extremely full life. I should say you're a writer on on top of everything else that you've done. Um, You've published a couple of books. Am I right in saying a couple of books? Yeah. Um, it, very different fields, actually, haven't they? One was historical, wasn't it? Yeah. Almost about the war. Yeah. And one's kind of crime, but 
based on my father's post-war activities yes (laughs) yes so you've you've always got uh, you know your your mindset when we talk about you know carol dweck who talked about a growth mindset i i suppose you are the epitome of that mindset in terms of i'm not content to just be where i am i'm continually improving i'm continually growing um and um and striving i guess to be to be the best that you can and to be as healthy as you can so are there some things in life that you feel actually I've got a lot to do here or that's something I really want to do? Well, that becomes less and less true as time goes on. I, uh, um, I just what, want why? To... Why does it become less and less true? Oh, well, I have done a lot of things. Yes, so, uh, yeah. So uh, what's left? I don't know. Um, uh, something like skydiving, I guess. Are, are you serious? I never quite know if you're being serious. Are yeah, serious? it's crossing my mind. Oh, good for you. That'd be something I could never do. I've I've got oh, really see, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm afraid of a lot of things, but I don't. That that thing doesn't particularly frighten me. So um, there's not, in terms of a bucket list, or you know, yeah. anything that you must do, and that you're thinking, you know, I, I I've got to get that done. Yeah. Uh, I've got to do something in my boat, which is stuck in France. <laughs> Your boat's a whole podcast episode, isn't it? In terms of the money that you've ploughed into it and yeah, and yeah. the disasters that have happened. Let's let's not go there. But obviously, yeah, that was that was another huge project for you, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So a sailor in another life, or maybe part of this life, you've you've definitely been a sailor, haven't you? Uh, one of the questions I have to ask you, Rob, because Carmen always asks me to ask this, um, is what makes you soulful? And and you said to me, I don't even know what that means, really. So let's go there first. What what does soulful mean to you, first of all? Uh, I, I I suppose it's spiritual, isn't it? I, I guess. Um... Uh, I I once said to uh, my favourite therapist, I saw her for seven years, I, I said, um, I'm not spiritual. And she said, oh, yes, you are. So I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you're interested in environment, you're interested in people, blah, blah, blah. That's spiritual. So I said, oh. so I'd, before that, I'd always associate it with being religious uh, or having a faith of some sort, but uh, yeah, it's so, interesting. Yeah. We all have a different definition of being soulful. When I ask that question, I'm sure everybody's mind goes somewhere, somewhere different. So, with that as your backdrop, with that as your definition, what makes you feel soulful? Hmm. What activity, or, or what do you mean? Uh... Th- that's the question. I'm not going to. I'm not going to refine <laughs> it anymore. What you know, uh, uh, person, um, place, supporting, support, supporting others, right? And what's the drive? What's the why behind? Because you know what you know. This is what uh, sometimes really infuriates you. But you are a good age, yeah. Chronologically, biologically, I'm sure you are absolutely far less. But people would say, God, you're still taking on all of this. Um, and what inspires you? What's your why to keep doing that, Rob? Uh, well, it's instinctive. I, I guess you're touching on a 
one of my major sources of anger is ageism mm. and um, uh, people asking, aren't you retired yet? Mm. Uh, uh, and, you know, the interesting thing is there's, there's a lot of um, plausible research around to to say that your how you your attitude to aging when you're younger will invariably determine how you you age um how well you age later in life and uh, mm. and society still it's ageism is the last ism to be really addressed uh we just about um address sexism racism mm. uh, and many other isms but uh, ageism hasn't really been addressed uh, and the assumption is by the time you get to a certain age you're gonna not be uh, of economic value that uh, mm. you're gonna be a strain on the national health service etc cetera, etc cetera. it doesn't have to be the case uh, yeah or even as you know a strain on families i guess yeah that as well yeah 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 so there are a lot of assumptions around that uh, mm. I, I think you know you're unusual because you are you have a heightened awareness to it, don't you? Because, I guess, you know, of your passion for intelligent ageing. Mm. And one of the things that I know you get angry about is, uh, you know, are the assumptions that people will make, whether you're in a yoga class, whether mm. you're in a work environment. Mm. Um, how do you get beyond that? I stand on my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, in literally. yoga. Yes, um, yeah. That seems to impress the youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, you just tell them. You don't tell them in words. But I mean, do, do you do you tackle that head on? Because you know, to stand in in your values in and under. Well, how, I, I, how do you tackle? I, I, I do challenge people occasionally if mm. if I'm in a grumpy mood. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? And what would you say needs to be done? You know, it's massive, as you said. It's one of the isms. It's the last maybe to be tackled. What needs to happen? I think more people need to get with the intelligent aging program. Mm. I mean, there's so many, even even now. It, certainly, it was true of my parents' generation, but even now, you know, people in their sixties are thinking, "Oh, I'm going to have to buy a bungalow because yeah. uh, I won't be able to use the stairs." And of course, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, if they don't have stairs; they're not getting the exercise of going up and down stairs all day. And as you know, I, I live in a house with three flights of stairs. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I get exercise at home. Exactly. And up and down from the basement, I should say, to meet um, clients uh, yeah. up, up two flights of stairs. So you're yeah. absolutely right. So I guess for you, it's about keeping challenging those assumptions. Yeah. It's about growing your portfolio. It's about connecting with people who lift you up and, and and are of the same philosophy i guess yeah well yeah friends like you i get supported so. well we lift each other up and i guess that's part of school hub <laughs> isn't it we are in a like-minded community where we're able to have absolutely why i joined yeah it's uh, so hard because yeah the like-minded community yeah, and the support that we give to one another and I guess the the, the values that we hold um, yeah. in life. Yeah. yeah, Robert, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. I should say to people, I'm lucky enough to speak to Rob, you know, most weeks in some ways not and enough. stay in touch. <laughs> uh, not not enough, but um, we do, we, um, you know, we value that connection and I hope that this podcast has given you an essence um, and maybe prompted you to even get in touch with Robert because... 
Um, as I said, even prior to this podcast today, I've learned far more than than even I knew. So um, where can people get hold of you, Rob? Obviously via Soul Hub, but where else can they find you? Uh, um, at drrob.com. Okay, so if they're looking for couples well, counselling. Doctor, the full word, not abbreviation, but Dr. Rob, the full word. Right, so anybody looking for the Doctor, information. It, it's, excuse me, it's .net, sorry. Dot net. Right. We'll 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 put a link afterwards. So anybody interested in your workshops, you know, your um your advice on intelligent aging or certainly your couples counselling. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today, Robert. And um and as as ever, I look forward to learning more from you and seeing you very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Kerry.